Dr. Baliga here. This podcast is on management of AL cardiomyopathy. It's from an outstanding chapter on amyloid heart disease authored by Dr. Timur Sher, MD, faculty hematologist and associate professor at Mayo Clinic, Jacksonville, and Dr. Moira A. Gertz, MD, Emeritus Chair and of Internal Medicine at Mayo Clinic, Rochester, and consultant hematologist. This outstanding chapter is in Color Atlas and Synopsis of Heart Failure, edited by me and published by McGraw-Hill Education. The series editor is Dr. William T. Abraham, MD. Managing AL Cardiomyopathy. Primary treatment of AL Cardiomyopathy involves the use of systemic chemotherapy to treat underlying plasma cell dyscrasia to eliminate the production of amyloidogenic light chains. Systemic therapy improves organ function, quality of life, and survival of patients. Serum-free light chain assay and cardiac biomarkers, cardiac uh, troponin T and NT-proBNP are invaluable in monitoring response to therapy. The ultimate goal of therapy in AL is improvement in organ function, which can take a median of 6 to 12 months and does not happen in all patients. Hematological response precedes the organ response and has shown to be a strong predictor of not only organ improvement but overall survival. Patients who achieve a complete hematologic remission, that is normal serum-free light chain levels and a normal K to L ratio and no evidence of clonal plasma cells, have a 66 to 86 percent chance of organ improvement and five-year survival approaches 70%. Improvement in organ function and survival is also noted in patients who achieve partial hematological remission, that is at least 50% reduction from baseline in involved free light chain levels. Oral melphalan and dexamethasone, meldex, has been the most common regimen used for the treatment of AL amyloidosis and has demonstrated hematological response rates of over 60% with 30 to 40% of the patients achieving complete remission. Organ improvement is noted in one-third of the patients with the median survival as long as five years in some series. Newer anti-plasma cell agents such as proteasome inhibitors and immunomodulatory drugs have demonstrated significant activity in patients with relapsed amyloidosis. Bortezomib has demonstrated hematologic response rates of 80% or more in combination with steroids and alkylating agents. And these combinations are rapidly moving to the frontline treatment of AL amyloidosis. Lenidomide and pomalidomide are thalidomide analogs that have demonstrated response rates of over 50% in patients with relapsed disease. While these newer agents are highly effective in AL amyloidosis, their use can be challenging because of potential cardiotoxicity and their safety and superiority over meldex has not been prospectively demonstrated. Myeloablative chemotherapy followed by autologous peripheral blood stem cell rescue, that is stem cell transplant, 
has demonstrated very high e efficacy in amyloidosis. In a large series of patients, stem cell transplant has demonstrated overall hematologic response rates of 75% and complete remission rates of 38%. Median overall survival of patients who have achieved complete remission has not reached while it was 107 months for those with partial hematological remission. Patients who achieve complete remission after stem cell transplant have been reported to have a 10-year survival approaching 60%. While stem cell transplant is very effective, it is associated with high risk of complications including high treatment-related mortality, early experience reported mortality in excess of 20% in the US and more than 40% in small European series. A randomized study of 100 patients comparing MELDEX, that is melphalan and dexamethasone, to stem cell transplant in amyloidosis patients did not report any significant difference in outcomes. In fact, patients with advanced cardiac disease did particularly poorly with stem cell transplant. High transplant-related mortality has largely been attributed to inclusion of patients with advanced cardiac disease. The availability of cardiac biomarkers and the use of stringent selection criteria have significantly improved the transplant-related mortality to less than 5% in experienced centers. At the Mayo Clinic, active NYHA class 3 or class 4 heart failure, an ejection fraction less than 45%, advanced cardiac stage by biomarkers, more than two organ involvement is considered a contraindication for stem cell transplant. In patients with less severe involvement, a risk-adapted approach is used to select an appropriate dose of melphalan as a conditioning for stem cell transplant. Using these stringent criteria, only 25% of amyloidosis patients qualify for stem cell transplant at diagnosis. Emerging evidence suggests that the use of bortezomib and alkylating agents in combination with steroids can result in significant improvements in organ function in patients with contraindications to stem cell transplant who can subsequently become eligible for stem cell transplant. Generally, if an AL patient is suitable candidate, the authors recommend proceeding with stem cell transplant as, as soon as the diagnosis is made. In one study, phase one, phase two study, NEOD001, a monoclonal antibody against epitopes expressed by amyloidogenic light chains have been found to be well tolerated by AL patients who have achieved control of their plasma cell dyscrasia with systemic therapy. Intriguingly, improvement in biomarkers of organ dysfunction was seen in several patients and this is undergoing active investigation in combination with systemic therapy in newly diagnosed patients in a phase 3 study. Supportive care remains the cornerstone of management of AL cardiomyopathy and includes managing cardiac manifestations of disease and complications of systemic chemotherapy. Management of heart failure is a particular challenge in amyloidosis as these patients cannot not tolerate several medications used for routine therapy of heart failure from other causes. Use of angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors is particularly difficult due to significant hypotension. 
The authors have seen patients develop significant hypertension after low doses of ACE inhibitors. The negative inotropic effect of beta blockers can precipitate acute congestive heart failure in a patient with stable heart failure. Digitalis derivatives and atrioventricular nodal blocking calcium channel blockers can cause significant dysarrhythmias as their intracardiac concentrations may increase due to increased binding to amyloid fibrils in the heart. Patients with atrial hypokinesis and standstill are at the risk of developing mural thrombus and subsequent embolization and stroke. These patients should be treated with anticoagulation with close attention to the risk of bleeding as it is significantly increased in AL patients. Orthostatic hypotension can become particularly problematic and patients benefit from compression stockings and use of alpha-adrenergic agonist midodrine. Volume overload can be a recurrent and difficult to treat problem. Salt restriction and judicious use of loop diuretics and metallazone along with strict monitoring of blood pressure and orthostatic responses can be helpful in difficult instances. Patients with cardiac dysarrhythmias pose a particular challenge. The role of cardiac pacemakers in AL cardiomyopathy is highly controversial as no clear survival advantage has been demonstrated with their use as primary prevention or as treatment of common cardiac dysrhythmia in this setting. Pacemaker placement should be considered on an individual basis, especially in patients who present with high-grade atrioventricular block. Unlike non-AL cardiomyopathies, even an automatic implantable cardioverter defibrillator AICD may not help the failing heart in AL as electromechanical dissociation is common. Heart transplantation is an option in AL. However, the vast majority of patients with AL cardiomyopathy will not qualify for a heart transplant due to significant extra cardiac involvement and rapid disease progression. Moreover, the outcomes of heart transplantation in AL cardiomyopathy has been inferior compared to outcomes with other cardiomyopathies. These poor outcomes are primarily due to progression of amyloidosis as heart transplant does not address the production of amyloidogenic light chains. Use of stem cell transplant after heart transplant has been reported in small series with a 1 and 5 year heart transplant survival rates of 82% and 65% respectively. Median survival from heart and stem cell transplantation was 76 and 37 months respectively. Again, these numbers do not compare favorably to the outcomes achieved by heart transplant from other conditions. In summary, a heart transplant is feasible in highly selected patients with AL cardiomyopathy. The ideal candidate will be a younger patient with isolated or predominant heart involvement who is also a candidate for stem cell transplant within 6 to 12 months after cardiac transplant. Outcomes of relapsed AL amyloidosis are generally poor. The best option for these patients is enrollment in clinical trials whenever possible for the use of the same or non-cross-resistant chemotherapy regimens depending upon the length of the initial response to the first regimen prior to disease relapse. 
This podcast is from an outstanding chapter on amyloid heart disease authored by Dr. Timur Sher, MD, faculty hematologist and associate professor at Mayo Clinic Jacksonville, Dr. Maria A. Gertz, MD, emeritus chair of internal medicine and consultant hematologist, Mayo Clinic Rochester, Minnesota. The chapter is in Color Atlas and Synopsis of Heart Failure, edited by Baliga, series editor, Dr. William T. Abraham, MD, and the publishers are McGraw-Hill Education.